them to liminal light, a show that explores earth and sky and the spirits that reside there through art, literature, lore, myth, and magic. I'm your host, Chris. Enjoy. magician and teacher of magic. How are you doing? Pretty good. And so you, uh, you teach magic basically at, uh, is it exclusively at Ritual Craft School in Denver? Yes. Yeah. And they have a, they have a lot of courses going on there. They do. Um, they have a lot of courses from like tarot, um, to, uh, specific traditions, um, to just basic, things like mirror scrying um yeah it's a it's a very wide range of of classes that are offered there and you like you lead rituals there and and um and have like reading groups and things like that yeah um i lead the ritual craft book coven um which is a bi-weekly um book club um and we all it's very very democratic we pick out you know which books we want to read um and then read them together a chapter at a time and um the, at the last few meetings we've been doing things with dream work um, we made dream journals and um we all consumed dream tea before um you know going in and and writing down some dreams and then we're, we're able to share them um, as a group later on so it's a very collaborative group um and then the Ides Moon rituals that I lead, those are once a month on the Ides, so either on the 13th or the 15th of the month. And um, with those, what we're exploring is actual workings from uh, medieval and Renaissance grimoires in group settings. Yeah, cool. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's, I like that um, the book group, also like getting into like, um, putting ink to page, you know, with your dreams and then kind of, you know, it's like with the grimoires in general, like for, um, thinking around the idea that like, well, if you really like books, you can actually like step into this book and spend the rest of your life there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of what the, the grimoires kind of pose is that, you know, they're in some ways they're a workbook, um, that you can go through, but they're also, they, you know, so many of them revolve around, um, the magical consecration of ink and paper. Um, because I think the, you know, the intent is that you eventually record your own grimoire. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I was going to get into that, uh, kind of as my last question, but since okay. it's like come up now, um, that's one of the things that I'm really interested in is like, uh, like kind of late Go Goetia practice or like off book practice, like where you're like, okay, I've been doing this for a while and now it's like taken on a, a life of its own and, and might not even resemble the, um, you know, the, the structure of the grimoire anymore. Cause you know, like each relationship with each spirit has like, uh, led to certain allowances, you know, like they're like, Oh, that's okay. If you just contact me in the middle of the day, any old time, you know, like, or, <laughs> Or, you know, you can call me by this name. That's fine. You know, like, um, and then things start to just really go 
often kind of a tangential direction and that, you know, sometimes the, the tools and rules of the, of the, um, presented in the, in the books, like end up being only kind of in emergency situations, like after a while, you know, or is yeah. that, has that been your experience? I mean, I, I definitely think that there's, there's something to be had about starting out with the grimoire and, um, practicing to fidelity. I, I think that there's something to be learned about uh, the self-discipline of, of choosing um, propitious times, um, the, the care and attention put into something like making incense or ritual garments or the circle. Um, and I think that along the way, you, you do build relationships with spirits and you really start to understand like that some of them could be, you know, contacted in, you know, an emergency situation at, you know, any time of the day. Others are going to be a little bit more um, stricter to the, the, the actual grimoire and what it is. And, you know, I think that, too, like we have um, we have hundreds of years of, of literature that revolves around the nature of spirits. Um, and you know, there's, there's a long history of this and so many things that are, have been written down, um, you know, from the medieval times to even in Byzantine times, things dating back to the PGM, there's certain components of how spirits interact with people that just can't be, um, cast off. But at the same time, I do think that with Goetia, there's, there is room to really personalize it as, um, as how the spirits appear to you. Um, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, that, that kind of like, as I totally agree that, you know, you, it's like, you got to start with the, um, the techniques cause you see the parallels from one grimoire to the next with variation. And then you can kind of be uh, kind of look at across the whole thing and be like, Oh, well, I, I think this is kind of what they're getting at. Like, cause there's information <laughs> missing in some, like, I think this is the purpose of this and that's the purpose of that. And that only really comes with, with the practice, you know, and being like, Oh, okay, I see why that was necessary. Cause I had it there and I ended up using it or I didn't have it there and this happened or whatever. And then, you might not even realize something was necessary, like a certain element of, of consecration until, until way down the line, you know, where you're like, Oh, that, that never really mattered. And then, and then this kind of information like, like came up, came about and you're like, Oh, well that really makes sense. Like it might just be for um, kind of tempering and, and, and like, um, like clarifying the signal rather than just being like, it won't work or it will work. And then other things you're just like, yeah, it's not going to happen without that. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, like, I guess I was saying like, kind of, you know, if, after you've been practicing for, for so many years that, you know, that like personalization that you're talking about can kind of um, seep its way into like how you approach art or, or taking it into client work or, or mm. devotional work, or um, I, I know, like uh, in like Kimbanda, what they call Fermeza, um, that that Jake Stratton Ken has has referred to in, in grimoire practices, like a night in with the boys, <laughs> like <laughs> where you just kind of like um, instead of conjuring them and saying like now do this or or you know specific kind of binding or something, it's kind of like okay, 
this is the kind of things that spirit likes. So we're going to kind of just like light their altar up and like make a night of it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think that's kind of, you know, what, what eventually, you know, a, ma- a magician who's working with spirits is going to be doing is they're going to have kind of a, in a way, a posse of, of spirits that they work with. And yeah, sometimes it's, it's just like, let's, let's light up the place with, you know, with this spirit and, and really let them come through. Um, yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Like some, I found like some of them, like uh, even having people over to play cards, you know, like things like that. Like, they're like, yeah, I just want you to play poker you know, <laughs> or, um, or things like that, you know, cause there's like gambling magic, like threads through a lot of, a lot of the, uh, yeah, the grimoires and and you know that was like an objective to kind of like win money and and be able to like uh, cheat people and do like kind of like on the fly kind of divinations and and then you'll realize in doing that that there are these kind of weird synchronicities and signals like in the card game that they're trying to like uh, impart to you you know where you're like man I saw like this one like card come up over and over and over and it's not that much different from. Um, like a divination, like a cardomantic divination that they just kind of like organized for you or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so, and then do you end up like taking um, work with, with spirits from the grimoires out into the landscape and does that move into your, um, and how you interact with like place and plants and animals and, or like just the energy of your own body or your physical experience or things like that? Um, I definitely think there's something to be, to be had about really recognizing the space you're in. Um, for, you know, so many odd number of years I lived in Vermont, um, before moving to Colorado. And I can tell you like, you know, just the difference of landscape and how spirits kind of respond, um, in those different areas, um, currently living in Colorado, there's, you know, it's, it's very, um, it's very dry, like, you know, in Denver, um, in the front range and, um, very flat until you get to the mountains, but there, there's a very high ele- elevation. And so, um, the plants are specialized to that, you know, landscape. Um, and I think, you know, recently this summer I, I took a trip to Black Canyon, um, which is kind of on the western slope of Colorado and just noticing the spirit activity there um, and some of the you know the ones that kind of come with me when when I go to a place like that um, it the the energy is definitely um, heightened I find like when I'm out in nature um, I live in the city currently and so um, as we read in grimoires like it's spirit work in a, a very metropolitan area is not like it's not like best practice in a way um because there's so much traffic going on there's so many people um it's really hard to find privacy in that and so anytime like i can get out into the landscape and, and interact with it um through the plants through the rocks um you know i i, I treasure that moment yeah that's interesting um that you say that because I find sometimes the opposite thing happens with me living in a rural area where when I uh, visit a city, 
um, some of the spirits that I work with are like, oh, this is amazing. There's like, (laughs) we need you to do this at this crossroad. There's a cemetery down there. Like, go leave this at this church, you know, like, (laughs) which is funny. Like the, um, there's like some opportunistic, uh, nature there you know they're like they'll they'll use whatever's around you yeah um and and i think like too you know there's a difference between like very urban magic and and you know rural magic um and yeah like just different places in the city like um some of the alleys like in my neighborhood um have a lot of really nice liminal kind of activity and or setting um and yeah, crossroads in different places, like in the city, um, you have to be a little bit more, um, I guess, discreet about leaving offerings and things like that, depending on the time of day and depending on what they are. But, um, yeah, I, I, I do like the juxtaposition, like the, you know, between like urban and rural magic at this point, um, it does kind of, it makes it more interesting, I guess. Yeah. Um, before we get to ahead of, of the conversation sure. for people that are like, what are these guys talking about? Um, what is Goetia? Um, so, um, I guess this is just kind of like my definition of it, but, um, it's a practice of, uh, conjuration, um, with spirits conjure being, um, to swear together. And so these are spirits that, um, they're they're not angelic um they are you know they're found in several grimoires kind of culminating in the classical grimoire or classical goetia with like the ars goetia which is a lesser key of solomon um but these are spirits that um typically they're you can see them as trickster spirits you can see them as demons um i kind of refrain from calling them demons but that's kind of the um i guess mainstream society's perspective on them and how they would classify them. And so I guess there's also protocol in there, like how to set up a ritual within this Goetia, um, certain things like a circle and a, a steel blade, um, an incense. And yeah, like a list of protocols yeah. to kind of just protect yourself, set up the space and make the thing happen. And then... Right. And then what is the, the purpose for, um, for like bringing these spirits like to conversation? Um, you know, I think, I think there's different purposes in there. Um, each spirit has a very specific office that they hold that that's what they, um, will work with people with. Um, and so you, you know, it, it kind of depends on how you work with them on what you get. Some people might work with them for love magic or money magic or something like that. Some people may, you know, kind of push the envelope a little bit and call it a very, um, I guess, um, similar to like a devotional practice. I'm, I'm not quite of that ilk. Um, I think that your own personal morality has to come out of that independent of, of, you know, your work with the spirits. Um, but I guess, the, the biggest thing is that the spirits offer different um, services. And if you get along with them well, you form a relationship, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you can usually get, you know, some results out of that. Um, 
but it, it varies and it, it's definitely one of those kind of practices that you really have to uh, persevere through because a lot of the time it's it's not as glamorous as I think you know the movies are uh, yeah yeah that's funny just say, like <laughs> non-glamorous <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it's not <laughs> yeah yeah and it's definitely like a slog and then there's like you know you could be a few years in and be like is this even working? Did I just dedicate like a massive amount of time to this? Like, some, is this even like really happening? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that like, um, too, there's, there's a, there's a weight placed upon actual spirit appearance. And I would have to argue that that's like a, a huge benchmark. Um, because I, I think in, in my early years, like, you know, that it was pretty dodgy, like whether or not spirit contact was actually made and whether or not it was just kind of like either tired or, you know, like just um, not actually getting contact. And it's kind of one of those things where, you know, your first like true physical appearance contact is it's either you got lucky, you got a really responsive spirit or you pushed through and you kept invoking until something, you know, really changed and you actually got that appearance. Um, but I think that's a, a huge piece of it. Yeah. Yeah. The physical, uh, you know, visual is interesting. Cause like, I know we messaged before a lot about like the imagination's role and kind of, um, you know, what the imagination does and whether or not it's so active or so passive and how much of your imagination that are you filtering into like not allowing yourself to see what you could be seeing, you know, just mm -hmm. compartmentalizing and then also kind of like um, understanding how your own thoughts, like, you know, it's helpful to, like to have some sort of meditation practice or some sort of way of being like, I know what my mind is like when it's kind of mm -hmm. on automatic and when, yeah. when, you know, cause a lot of the spirit conversation is going to be, uh, your imagination in a kind of dialogue with a non-native imagination, you know, and that some of that is going to happen in the exterior, like in your, what you can physically sense. And some of it's going to happen on the interior, but that like, like you're saying is a benchmark, like, did you see it? Did something happen? And then, and then even establishing like, well, did I really see, did I really see that? You know, like, uh, yeah. um, because sometimes you're like, oh, yeah, like the, you know, the what, a, you know, looking at, say you're looking at an altar or something and the light in front of you just totally bends and stretches or something, you know, and you're like you said, like, am I just tired, you know, or like, uh, am I a little dizzy? But you're like, no, I saw like it looked like it just like totally stretched out and I kind of saw the form of a of a kind of visage there or something, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, um, I, I definitely think that, you know, there's um, kind of with that, you, there's there's a trust that you develop with your imagination. And there's, um, for me, like, and you were kind of mentioning it, I don't know if it was in that context, but kind of body sensation, yeah, or body work. Um, for me, like, I, I, I do tune into like, you know, the, the sensations that my body is receiving. Um, like say if I'm in the shower, noticing like the temperature of the water, noticing like if there's a chill because my window's open, like right. um, really being aware of each sensation to the point where when I'm in the circle, I can go back and do that. 
and it becomes a my awareness is telling me this um and part of that is imagination um but there's also a very sensorial kind of of a feeling that goes on there's a there's almost like a, the room starts has like a buzzing kind of quality to it um and lights kind of take on a, a different kind of glow in a way um there's just some changes that, that take place and um part of it is is just noticing it very objectively um being able to maybe record that in a journal um but also allowing for the play of the light allowing for those things um yeah yeah and like um yeah like like you said like temperature changes like you could Mm -hmm. get goosebumps or feel like the pressure in the room change or just feel like uh those kind of like almost animal like fear feeling responses like um you know like when something spooks you and you feel this like kind of like uh flush through your whole body like some cool liquid just goes through your body or something uh or even natural phenomenon, like in the, um, like I've had, like, it's suddenly start pouring rain or, or that the house gets surrounded by owls all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, or I've had the power go out, you know? <laughs> yeah. All those, all those things like are, are kind of a part of it. It's, it's like noticing like, yeah, there's clicks in the room or, or, you know, really odd stuff. And sometimes it is really odd stuff. Like you're saying, like, owls appearing um were they all like the same kind of owls or yeah it was like there was all of a sudden um you know like i'm not sure what what species they were but it was all okay. the, the same call all the same kind of hoot and they were like there's probably like five or six of them just surrounding the house you know? <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty was good stole this working or uh <laughs> no it was it was just like it was it was like a, um, a divination, but I, this is, we're kind of getting off track, but this is a, a since, no, not like just, I'm about to, but like, uh, I've noticed like since working, I've been working a lot with the lunar mansions and, um, and the PGM, uh, list of animals like that, like equal 28. And Mm since, since then, so much, so much of like, results like synchronistic results come from animals and it's like all different animals all the time you know uh but just kind of being like i've been doing a lot of uh kind of you know i'll i'll do a kind of initial call uh through hecate and then i'll go into a mode where i'm like if it's the mansion that corresponds to that animal um kind of getting into the movements of that animal and kind of moving around the room as that animal. And then I'll proceed into spirit work after that. But since then, like the animal synchronicities have just been off the chain, you know, but I saw that you, uh, were doing a, a class about augury. Yeah. Um, I, so for me, like, and, um, I've, I've always had a relationship with birds. Um, and, and right now, you know, in, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to teach this class on auguries um, at Ritual Craft. And we're actually going to go into a local park and, um, you know, teach the class. And then we'll do some, some field work with, with making observations, making predictions, coming together and kind of discussing those things. Um, but yeah, I've always had a relationship with birds. At one point, I was working um, at a raptor rehabilitation center. Oh wow! 
And so part of that work was, you know, feeding and caring for owls and hawks. And um, I was assigned a cage of short-eared owls. They're these kind of small um, owls. They're a little bit bigger than a screech owl, but smaller than a great horned. And, and they live in marshy areas on the ground, They're in, you know, in these low kind of trees. Um, but yeah, you, re- you know, I just kind of, working with birds in that way you you know when they give you eye contact you know they're trying to tell you something yeah and um and so that relationship just you know carries on and even when i was little and and um you know i lived in a very rural setting and so great horned owls were a thing and sometimes at night like i remember hearing um rabbit screams as these great horned owls would come in and, and take out a rabbit and Usually in the morning, there in the front yard, there'd be like this decapitated rabbit carcass, um, and I guess like you know, um, the animal kingdom does have things that it can you know teach just by paying attention and learning kind of the per- the w- the personal ways it connects with you. Um, with auguries, there's certain parameters for this, you know, reading the skies, um, but a lot of it's very intuitive and a lot. Of of it can be very personal in how in what this sign you know like if birds are coming in from say the northwest um and they're this kind of bird and they're you know there's this many of them and they're flying in this pattern that might mean something completely different from for someone else um you know the directions have a little bit to do with it um but you know really a lot of it's just personal work and, and going through it but i think that in the classes that I teach, it's sometimes it's not really the content that's being taught. It's, it's the platform and that people are able to come together and talk about magic in a safe, inclusive environment um, where, you know, the expectation is that everyone's a student. It really, it, it takes everything down a notch. It, 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 takes it down to a point where people feel comfortable talking about it it doesn't have to be about who's right or wrong and it the end result is that it inspires people to continue doing this work yeah totally yeah that makes you think about when we were saying about like you know like after three years or say just or or something of of practice um that you kind of are like well this you know you start second guessing some of it or something. You're like, is this really happening? And uh, like, you know, of course there's times you, you have results, but you can start being like, it's good to be critical of yourself to, to, to prove to yourself that things are occurring, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, but that, that, that's a good, like you said, platform for that to like, take, take it out of your, your in, uh, interior monologue and and start like a discourse and get get people yeah. able to just kind of be like oh well this is what i have going on or 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 questioning like what do you what do you do about this or um it's yeah it's it's taking it out of like a that kind of isolated state you know because it gets uh, yeah. a little um it gets a little uninteresting sometimes being completely a solo practitioner you know Oh, totally. Yeah. It, there's no way of checking in and, or like feeling a part of, a you know, a larger community. And, you know, I think, um, community can kind of feel, um, community has the, the potential to be, you know, kind of messy 
if if everyone is is you know up on top of each other but if there's room to breathe within it where um traditions are being explored there's respect going on and and people don't feel like it's it's a matter of authorities and students but that everyone's a student and everyone's learning and everyone has you know the ability to share their own discoveries um that i think is kind of what creates community um but yeah i mean for years like i practiced and had no you know anyone to talk about this you know before like the internet really became a hub to to you know meet new people you know that were practitioners um when i lived in vermont you know i don't know if, if maine has a, a what you would might call a community um do you do you find that no, no. There, I mean, yeah. there, there's just like a hand, like a handful <clears throat> of people that kind of come and go, you know. Yeah. Um, but you know, someone else might be like, "What's he talking about?" There's absolutely a community, but it's not. You know, we're doing doing different yeah. things or something. You know, right? Um, but yeah, I I like what you're saying about that. Like, um, we were talking kind of in correspondence about um, these things, like grimoire practice becoming a living tradition, and how can it become that, you know, what are the components and mm -hmm. there, there's a, you know, there's a lot of different components and you can kind of go deep with that question. And some people might answer, well, it can never be, it's, it's like purely textual and it's, that's the way it's transmitted. And other people might say um, something else, like it needs to be plugged into these elements of what a culture does. And then, then it's up and running, but not until then, but obviously like the first thing for it, to be a living tradition is that uh, people are communicating with each other and being in presence with one another. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, and I think that what keeps it alive is that there's new insight being funneled into it. I think that um, as we look at, you know, how the grimoires were transmitted and um, the scope of that, um, that transmission when, you know, through the diaspora, you know, in, into more of the new world traditions. Um, and, you know, looking at the full scope of, of, of grimoires within that, um, it's, it's constantly evolving. Um, I, I don't think of, um, I think there's certain things like if you, if you look at like a Solomonic ritual outline, that's pretty much unchanged, you know, but maybe some of the, you know, for some people, you, including new technology um, into into magic, you know, uh, you know, whether it's through apps or, you know, um, cell phones, things like this. Um, you can tell I don't do that. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but I don't know what they but I know like there's, there's a, you know, there's, and also with the exploration of things like, um, you know, different, um, psychedelics or entheogens, things like this. Um, I, I think there's room for looking at different things that can in some ways enhance it, but also there's just a tradition that goes along with it that, um, but I don't, I don't think it's, it's, uh, everything has to be done just as it was done in the Renaissance times. Um, you know, I, I think that would be severely limiting the scope of it. Um, even limiting it, like with, if you were just working with one grimoire, 
um, I think you'd miss out on the scope of, of all the spirits and, and some of the other writing on them. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I take living tradition, um, with something like Goetia. Yeah, I can, yeah, I can see that, like the, that it, uh, it itself is, it as a tradition is, is inhabited and has an intelligence and that it, it's allowed to, to develop and change over time because it's alive. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love the augury stuff, and I was wondering when I saw that that um, you know with the kind of relations of the spirits with the fallen angels and some of the etymology of the spirits sort of seeming to relate to um, like predatory um, birds of prey and and all, how that inter- intersects with like the Lucifer story and um, do do you ever bring um, any of the spirits into augury practice? Um, there, there are some spirits that will, that teach learning the language of birds. I think came, um, is one that comes to mind with that. Um, there are some other ones as well. And yeah, I think that that, that work, that relationship helps foster that. Um, but I think that the, the, that's a um, that's an innovation that happened in magic, and it's not necessarily um, necessary. <laughs> um, I think a lot of it kind of goes back to those early traditions of animism and connecting with animals, and that um, you know forming relationships with the animal world um, is is kind of how that comes about. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, it's, it, I'm, I think it, it's like a, it, it would be an added step if, if like, you know, my, my route into auguries was something, um, that required a lot of prerequisites and not just going out into the yard or a park or just an open space, um, and just observing. Um, it kind of goes back to when I was doing that, that work, the Raptor Rehabilitation Center, um, this was in Yellow Springs, Ohio, um, that there was a connection that I was forming with the land and it was independent a lot of times, or at least it wasn't, it wasn't a conscious magical expression. Um, I, you know, when I would go out into the woods, oftentimes I would have nothing on me. It would just be me in, in the woods, um, observing, experiencing, interacting, um, and, and so sometimes I think that, um, the, the, the bonds we, we form with, with nature, um, don't necessarily need a magical routine or, or structure, um, in order to connect. And that's, maybe that's very, um, just simplified, but yeah, that's kind of my take on it. Oh yeah, no, that's great. Um, you know, and it's kind of like the other way around, you know, that some of the spirits of the grimoires maybe uh, ended up being on the list because people having, starting with like deep connections with, uh, with spirits of place and with elemental spirits and spirits of animals and things like that. And that, that, that kind of uh, relationship ended them up um, as, as like worth calling but that it doesn't, but the other way around, like, like you're saying, isn't necessary. Like the, um, you don't need a, like a ritual protocol to go out and connect with 
with the spirit of a bird or, or a spirit of like a, of, of plants that you might find in the landscape. And I guess I kind of like, I almost like, uh, desensitized myself to that by living rural for so long. Like I like for, I was like, Oh yeah, I forgot that. Like it's the people like aren't connecting with, with nature, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and definitely like, you know, um, when I was in Vermont and living a very rural existence, like it, um, yeah, it, it just became second nature. Um, and it was, I don't know. There's, there's, there's a different time that goes on in nature. You know, it's, if, if you talk about like liminality, like um, time doesn't have the same pace as it does say in a city um, or in your home. And um, to tap into that is to, is to kind of get back into the weave. And it, it becomes so second nature when it becomes a daily practice. It's like, I don't see the, you know, the, the, the demarcated line between um, you know, a, the, my time in nature versus my time outside of it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's interesting. You say that I've been thinking about, um, animals experience of time and, um, and our earliest experiences of time as humans, you know, being, and that they're every, everyone's counting, you know, that like time counting kind of pulse pulses and rhythms and, uh, like feeding cycles and circadian rhythms. And, and um, I guess with humans, we started paying a lot of attention to the sky and counting, counting and keeping track of, of uh, the wandering stars and things like that, but that all animals are doing some sort of pace keeping, you know, and that it's, it's uh, much rounder or, or spiraling or kind of, um, you know, it, ha it has, like you said, the weave, it has a different pattern than, linear time, which is just like me measurement, you know, like, uh, and even like in magical results, like, you know, you could say, um, well, you know, I did this and then this person ended up giving me this book and it like had this information in it. That was exactly what I was looking for. And that was what the spirit delivered. But, um, but you're like, but they actually bought me that book for my birthday last year and yeah. forgot to give it to me. So that doesn't make any sense. But that's maybe getting too caught up in the linear time measurement, like where you're like calling a table uh, 48 inches rather than calling it a table. You know, like, yeah. uh, you're like, well, it doesn't don't don't look at the ruler. Look at look at like what's happening, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's 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 definitely how I kind of. Um, I mean, magic is is a modality um, to connect with the spirit world. Um, but prior to things like grimoires and, and written magic or learned magic, um, and and even some of those like folk traditions that that came out before that, it was just you know humans and nature, and and it was you know that was the it was direct experience. And I think as civilization progressed, people began to, um, you know, disconnect a little bit from the natural processes and the, you know, a very natural existence um, and and had to come up with ways to 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 get back to those those experiences. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah, that's really well put. So uh, kind of along that line. Um, so where do the spirits 
you know, uh, we I think you used the term like offices before, uh, and I've, I I think about, I use that sort of in, as an analogy sometimes too, like you know, uh, like sometimes as why do they have different names or why or to kind of um, understand the hierarchy, you know, like um, mm-hmm. if you if you were to to contact me and ask me to do something while I was like working as a bartender, I might not have the same availability in response to you. Or if you contacted me and asked me to do something while I was like at a family reunion, I might not have this, I might not even have the same personality at all than I would if you contacted me in my home or like in a, at like a concert or something, you know? Uh, um, And that like, so why you need to kind of go in and locate the spirits in a certain way and in a certain order, but also um, what is, what are the, the, what does that all hang on? You know, like whether it be the decons or the mansions and um, like in physical space, you know, what would be the reason for that? And if those are kind of places they live or, or uh, spaces that are part of their maybe spiritual body or what they resonate with. Um, are there other spirits that that um, also live or work in that office with them? Like, is it kind of like um, like an office space that a different variant spirits could occupy simultaneously, and they all have different things they could do? I'm kind of just like setting up a whole bunch of of ideas yeah, I ideas that. Like in wondering what you think about them. I mean, I I think that there's so you know you have like um, several different spirit lists, and there's kind of some common threads. Either it's with um, the you know the actual spirits in the lists, um, the order. You know, um, Jake Stratton Ken talks about 18ness and how, you know, most of the lists have kind of a, a solid set of the first 18 are um, a lot of times very similar. Um, and then when you look at the spirit list a little bit deeper, you see that certain ones have um, different names that you can call them by. Um, and sometimes calling them by a different name activates a different like specialty. Um, I'm thinking specifically of, of one Barith, where um, I believe it's um, in uh, Discovery of Witchcraft. Scott talks about you know Bolfrey is is how he's he's called by necromancers, and so you know his you know he's got kind of this title. He's got um, you know his office, kind of, you know what that spirit does, and then there's different names that you can contact it by, and um, Depending on the list, you might see something like planetary attributes or decanic attributes. Um, and I think it's kind of our, our you know, the, the left brain trying to, like, organize this data, yeah. um, this, this information. And so sometimes the best way to do it is just make a list. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> um, totally. Because, <laughs> like, you know or the idea that like these spirits are related in some way that, you know, they have a certain quality and a nature and things like that, but the appearance of them, the ways they interact, um, you know, the idea that there's a hierarchy, meaning that there's some that are more powerful than others. Um, 
it adds a complexity to the spirit work. Um, and so I don't view the, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't view the spirits, you know, in, in a particular grimoire as like all cronies necessarily. Right. I mean, they're all in there, but they're, you know, and there's some, there's some structure there, but um, the origins of them at times are very, very different. Right. Um, some of them are considered to be fallen angels. Um, you know, we could probably argue that all of them could, are considered sublunar, um, but some are definitely have a very infernal, you know, feeling to them, and some cross those boundaries. Um, so there's like, yeah, like there's this complexity to it that's really fascinating, um, and it's it's you know it's been compiled in this way for centuries. Um, but yeah, kind of picking it apart. I think that the idea, you know, to kind of wrap this up, like in a way, um, is to to really look at individual spirits um, and look at maybe how they relate to other spirits. But what are their, you know, what are they like, you know, outside of the confines of a grimoire? Mm, yeah, yeah, and I think one of my favorite ways to to approach that is sort of by thinking of it in physical space. So you can like, so I do like the like Decon and mansion models for that, that you can contemplate it astrologically, but then, and even with astrology, I like to make sure that it, it connects back to like your physical reality, like that you can go outside, look at the first house by looking East and look at the seventh house by looking West. And you can look at the stars Mm -hmm. as they, as they go as they go um, as they go across the sky and think about like the decons as 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 a physical place or the mansions as a physical place and kind of like kind of contemplate like why why a particular spirit might resonate with that even if it's just like the only reason why that works is just like as for timing you know like uh <laughs> And like you're saying, who knows? Because some of them might be in there for different reasons. One could be actually like a human person at one point that uh, worked magic really hard and made kind of underworld connections and then and then is still available, you know, and is actually yeah. more like a really powerful ghost or so, or like almost a saint, you know, um, yeah. like a secular saint, you know, but like um, but that somehow you can ring their doorbell when this portion of the sky is kind of in a certain position or something. But, uh, and with like 18ness, I I noticed about that, that like, or I mean, Jake says it, but thinking about the mansions that they, um, you know, you have the 18 and then before that you have the, the three chiefs and their two deputies each. Um, and then with the Verum plus Skirlin gives you 10 and then you get the 28 and then, it seems like the Bibliotech Blue grimoires seem to to uh, resonate with the mansions as as a timing model or or a kind of like where the spirits live model, like more than uh, you know. And they're like referred to as chthonic spirits, and it sort of makes sense that you're in the you're in the lowest zone. You're like not even a lot of planetary observance is necessary when you do like a mansion election, even for a like a talisman, say like out of the Picatrix, like you, the elections are much simpler. You're just like working with the immediate. Um, and that like those, those books are more considered like diabolical They're you know, like they're that they're, 
you're not you don't have to go as high up you don't have to get as complex you're just trying to get stuff done whereas like yeah. with the the 72 or the the key of solomon like you get uh are often thought of more as aerial spirits and that sort of makes sense in this way that they'd root more into the decons like where yeah where with egyptian stellar ritual where the decons come from you're really, really concerned with the ascendant all the time. You know, you're always concerned with what stars on the Eastern horizon. And then you get that whole like kind of directional model, like where East like often is considered fire and West air, but you're still on that lateral uh, kind of like, you know, that's where the four Kings seem to become really important because you're on this kind of like horizontal. And even in astrology, like the glyphs for the, uh, the for the air signs are all hor- have a horizontal nature like aquarius with the air like the kind of air currents or water water currents going right to left or or the scales in libra or um i don't know it's interesting to think about like uh i don't know i just not to not to make it abstract that way to to be like okay so if they relate to the decons and and mansions etc that you're you need to get on the computer and start like producing charts you know like which you you kind of do to a degree but but you also it means like maybe you should go outside and like look east you know yeah (laughs) or look up and look at the moon you know yeah um yeah i think i think there's definitely like you know the um i mean the early astrologers I think we're more in tune with the sky than we are now, even though we have the technology to show us like everything, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I I think that there is something to um, the spirits and um, kind of those those attributes of you know the decans, and that, that was really um, that that was pretty profound. I mean, I hadn't thought about you know the um, the you know the aerial spirits being as you're saying more decanic or deconic and um the the mansions being the more cathonic ones is that yeah yeah that's yeah that's just like kind of how i've found it most recently uh mm-hmm. and it kind of makes it makes sense with the way the numbers add up like the i don't want to say the numerology but with like like the 18ness and the 72 and like because the 72 is 36 twice and then with the mansions and the 18 of the, the bibliotech blue kind of era stuff being like the 18 and the 10 superiors being 28, you know, but yeah, I don't know. It's a, and it's more like the animalistic and like the, that it's like, and it has an animal layer and then the diabolical layer, you know, or yeah. It, it is kind of interesting too, though, that um, with those Bibliotech Blue grimoires, that um, th- there's they're related to things like the Key of Solomon, um, but there there's kind of a distinction in there that's a little bit different. And there's there's some things that are very you know similar. Um, you have things like the the pen and ink in you know the paper parchment. Um, but it's, it is interesting that some things aren't as important in those grimoires as is in, you know, um, something like the, um, the the Key of Solomon with something like ritual garments. Um, you don't see a lot of 
mention about that in Bibliotech Blue books, which are books for you know lay people, um, versus you know something like a manuscript grimoire of like the the Key of Solomon. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's weird. You can almost see it like turning into uh, like chaos magic. You know, you can almost see as they're being such late grimoires, like being in the hands of like Austin Osman Spare or something, mm-hmm. and like. You know, like the one of the things you say in Grimorium Verum is like, um, uh, hold on, I'm, trying, I'm changing sure. modalities here in my mind, but like to uh, let me accomplish it um, in my work, what I see in my mind, or something like that. Like, um, you know, you start seeing these, and that goes back even to the Higramantia being like, this is going to work, even in the Picatrix, too, like, this is going to work best if you believe in it, you know? But you start seeing that really stick out more in the late ones where they're like, what's happening in my mind? Let me see it happen, like, in in what I do. And it's funny that they even use the word, like, in my work, you know? It's kind of almost like a, becomes almost like a conjure, like, hoodoo yeah. kind of concept where they're like, you know, let my let the materials I'm working be you know connected to my imagination and then let that bring results so it's kind of starting to see like the bones of the thinking that led to like kind of sigil construction you know yeah i mean there's there's an immediacy to them um that's very different from like you know if you look at something like the um Abermelon, you know kind of tradition like where you know 18 months of of prayer and and you know confession and and you know not not a lot going on and then all of a sudden it's like oh i see this this thing it's just like a very long extended ritual um while something like the grimoire poponorius um or the verum like there's it's just like today on monday yeah yeah right (laughs) we have we have an hour yeah do it now um totally you know that's a great way to put it you're like what day is it all right yeah let's go yeah all right (laughs) showed on Friday like it's just um yeah there's and that's like I think what I really when I started to um and you know in, in how like you um progress magically you know I started out with something like Key of Solomon was like wow this is going along here and then like to to have the the Pope Honorius grimoire like plop in your lap and it's like oh I can do this tomorrow I, I, you know, I, I like that a lot because I think that it, it gives you more opportunities to experiment more, you know, and there's, and there's the results I, in, in my, you know, own reading has, are a little bit more defined. Um, and so it, it's less about contacting some, you know, very abstract concept of an angel to something that's like, um, like I was saying with Bishod, like Bishod likes a nut. He yeah. you know, stuff with weather magic. It's like, okay, I can, I got this. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know. It just, and yeah, I mean, I think that like with chaos magic, um, I can see how, you know, spare would really take to something like this kind of like I did. Um, but you know, I, I, I do think there's, you know, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call what I'm doing chaos magic in any way. Um, I mean, I think there's a time and a place and I think that, you know, for some people it resonates, but that's, that's one that never really, um, got with, you know, it never 
took a hold of me um, quite like you know something like Goetia. Yeah. Um, I do I do like kind of the there's a level of pomp that I like. Um, there's a level of uh, of that that I, I that really gets me into that headspace. Uh, I was seeing things like Peter Carroll. Um, I was like, oh, so I'm, I'm drawing this sigil, which reminds me of Picatrix's work, um, but right. there's a lot less preparation for that, and I it didn't it didn't click with me. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's I've you know back in the day I got some things I wanted to get <laughs> with like chaos magic, mm-hmm. but I didn't, uh, I, I didn't find myself like you're, we're talking about living tradition. I didn't find myself wrapped up in a whole world that both fascinated me, but also sort of like, like fed me and, and like made me more philosophically complete and led me towards like spiritual realizations and, you know, um, like it just was kind of like I could I could get like a thing I wanted to have, <laughs> you know, like more easily mm-hmm. more easily than than normal or something, you know. Yeah, um, you know I do too think about like um, as we were talking about the aims of something like Goetia, like the the outcomes, um, and something like you know uh, looking at like Arbitel work or the Sworn Book of Honorius. Um, they seem to have very, and the term um, theurgical gets thrown around a lot, and it's this idea of of contact with the divine and ascension and things like this. But when you get into Bibliotech Blue Books, it's not necessarily about ascension. It's about, yeah, the work you're doing in this realm right now. Um, and that deeply resonates with me. Um, because I, you know, it, it, it's not an escapism. It's not a, you know, you know, leave. Right. <laughs> it's it's work with what you have, and I think that's why um, you have that kind of infernal trinity, you know, with Lucifer and and um, Beelzebuth and and Astaroth or you know Satan. Um, you have these rulers over um, the here and now. And, you know, you can contact them in the here and now. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit, it, it, it's, it doesn't have the, the, you know, necessarily morality attached to it. You kind of like develop that on your own. Um, and you, you know, and I think that's where we haven't really talked about this, like something like my St. Cyprian work comes into it because through maybe having a patron saint, or working closely with an angel, then you get that kind of um, that ethical piece of the equation that is missing from um, something like just straight Goetia or Bibliotech Blue books. Yeah, it's it's actually it reminds me of um, like I was for years I was like going to India a lot and I was very um, interested in this. Um, it's not really tantra but that's it's similar like agora tradition like agora agora sadhus like are um go very very they're they're like eat meat they have sex they like kind of they get completely wild and crazed and and live in the charnel grounds and and you know eat eat brains of corpses and and like they're trying to condition themselves to be able to reach uh shiva say or tara like even in the most like disgusting state, you know, that like they can, 
it's they call it like uh, fast and terrible. Like you, instead of having to be reborn a thousand times, you, you can do it all in one go if you just <laughs> like if you just go as terrible as possible. Uh, yeah, and you know, so they they're tangoing directly with like these animal natures, you know, of like sex and and uh, carnivorous like um, mammals and and all and like death and all all this stuff and. You know, that reminds me of like, you know, uh, like Hecate being triple formed or triple faced and that uh, kind of symbolizing in the Greco-Roman, Greco-Egyptian world of like, like the thrice as being like universal, as being like above, um, you know, here and below or or ocean, earth and sky or whatever. Um, and it's that kind of like that, you know, the what you're saying, like the three chiefs being the here and now rather than the. Uh, ascensional component but that even in agora like in you know in in uh that form of of like indian spirituality uh you have a guru who keeps you from going off the rails you know and that like saint kind of um practice or or you know like working with an angel or a patron saint in that sense is kind of your guru but kind of on the other side you know (laughs) yeah um and I think it kind of it, it's a nice like kind of structure I think to have with it like to have um, work with spirits on many different levels um, and just kind of round it all out because yeah they're like we were talking earlier like they all have offices they all have things that they kind of specialize in and um, to kind of to work with that but yeah like to to work with something very chthonic or very you know infernal um, depending on your terminology like. Um, I think it, it rounds things out a little bit. And I think that the kind of the, the larger component of that is um, the, the recognition of death, um, the recognition of that temporal nature that we have. Um, that sometimes I think when you're only working with celestial hierarchies, you you kind of miss because it's it's in the opposite direction if you're working with something like hecate um or you know um one of the you know goetia spirits or you know a, a different deity that kind of you know like a chthonic apollo um you're 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 keeping one root you know one foot kind of rooted in in the underworld a little bit because that is where your physical body is, is going to end up and so it, 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 it's kind of, um, you know, I think about kind of that, um, you know, going back to like uh, my Kabbalah days, like the Adam Kadmon, like the, the, this like fully um, embodied person um, that has, you know, they're, you know, way up in, in the top with Keter, you have, you know, your kind of that celestial realm and then down in Mahout, you have um, the earth. Um, and I, and I think that that's kind of where I, I take things. It's like I like to I like to work with it all because um, I think it really rounds out things um, well. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I don't think it's not like we don't have to have any reference point to trans, transcendental layers or, you know, like very high up layers or or I don't know. It's I don't even really want to call them up necessarily yeah. like because I feel like that's it's like the whole Neoplatonic model, you know, that you know, uh, and even its roots, you know, it's not like Plato necessarily just pulled it out of his ass, you know, but like, uh, it has, 
there is, you know, there is things people are talking about, like they, uh, you know, some people point out that it appears that, um, like alphabets and Abrahamic religion and law all occurred kind of right in the same time, you know, uh, and that, you know, that, that obsession with the, the transcendental and getting out of the earth, you know, is like, is maybe even, it, you know, why we had a lot of, uh, kind of religious turmoil over the whole Christian period and maybe like even understand, understood Christianity, uh, falsely almost the entire time, you know, that it might, it might return to usefulness, uh, in some sense, like, cause it can't, we can't just erase it from our yeah. own history and be like, well, that was, a, that was wrong, but that we just mm-hmm. didn't even, you know, that in the future we might be able to proceed without dogma and, you know, uh, right. and, and like have it be a useful engagement of, of more of beings that are less embodied, you know, and kind of like you're saying, be more well-rounded of, of here and other than here, but, um, that, uh, but it's possible that that upward transcending kind of the, the less physical it is, the, the better it is like theurgical kind of model also gave us kind of like the internet and like, you know, (laughs) like at first Christianity, then the internet, then science, then the internet, or, you know, like, uh, it's like (laughs) responsible for like cryptocurrency, you know, like, it's like, yeah yeah no i and i and i think that like um that is is part of too like the the work of um kind of reclaiming we we live if if people want to talk about like a christian society like i I wouldn't say that that means you know adherence to a, a particular faith at this point but if you look at how much christianity has um shaped society um like it's it's phenomenal like there's a there's so much of it so much of it was shaped by christianity holding hands with the church and i i also believe that right you know currently what's happening in magical communities is people are getting a little bit more comfortable with the idea of christianity separated from the church because the church did a lot of of things that you know we don't even need to get into because we already know them like but to kind of reclaim some of the aspects because there's magical technology within Christianity that's super useful. Um, things like the saints and angels um, and the ability to contact them in different ways without this feeling that, oh, if you're not talking to um, the Holy Trinity components in isolation, you're not working in a Christian framework, um, which is false. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm kind of looking for that trend to really catch a little bit, um, because a lot of, you know, a lot of the Luciferian practice, um, or, you know, looking at like satanic practice, like it just seems to be an inversion instead of like a real integration of, of, you know, the components of it. And yeah, I understand that some people had very, you know, horrifying experiences within a church, um, you know, myself included, but at the same time, like it can't just be a flip. It, it has to be something else. It has to be pulling out. Cause otherwise it complicates the grimoires. It complicates them. If you're doing an invocation for 
and I'm looking back at like, you know, Pope Honorius and the grimoire there, you know, you're using um, the Holy Trinity names in there for a specific reason and just to flip flop them, um, it, it messes with the structure. Um, it complicates it. And there are certain invocations, say, in, in the book of St. Cyprian, where you are invoking Lucifer, um, but you're doing it with, you know, um, God, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, um, you know, because it wouldn't make sense to invoke Lucifer with, you know, by invoking Lucifer, Beelzebuth, and, and Satan. It wouldn't make sense. Uh, you have to have some kind of, um, you know, context for it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's interesting, like, you know, that whole, um, I forget, I can't mention, like, the, the, you know, where, what passage it is, but, you know, when Jesus says at some point in the Bible, like, I call upon Beelzebeth to, like, do this, <laughs> like, who do you guys call upon, you know, like, yeah. uh, and, um, because you know, and looking at the roots of Christianity as being sort of like an, um, like a on the road, you know, the roads were dangerous places between cities. Mm -hmm. And there were these kind of people who were kind of ritual specialists who, especially in for exorcisms, you know, and uh, for, well, the world outside of the city was still like very haunted. If there wasn't a community there, you know, like it was wild, you know? And uh, so people could get, people could get easily possessed. And then there, there were people who could like help them out of that. And that, you know, even the church, you know, went, uh, you know, way off on its own tangent. But, you know, even like with the clergy, you're like, well, yeah, they have to uh, be ascetical and have that moral dogma that they're trying to deliver to you to do the sacrament because they're extreme, they're extreme ritual specialists. You know, that's how they're able to to do the deed, you know, and that Christianity in it and all these religions are our magical uh, technologies to deal with the afterlife, you know, that, uh, and like, you know, with the grimoires, they're like, say, do it exactly this and this, do it exactly like this. And then it'll work, you know, you have to, but if it's not working, you're probably not following the directions, right? You know, like uh, Christianity says like, oh, do exactly this. Don't pay attention to any other religion. Don't blend religions. (laughs) Like we have a system and part of the reason why it, it went viral, quote unquote, is like that it works, you know, like if yeah. you if you are, it's not like Christianity is false. You know, if you follow right. if you if you follow its its, um, you know, its its percepts and and then live your life fully devoted as a Christian, you will go to heaven and you will avoid like being trapped in and I'm like in hell, like I'm going to trans- transport like Tartarus, like you won't get yeah. trapped in Tartarus. You'll like, you'll go to the Elysian fields. Like if you are, if you're fully Christian, but that in another religion, there's another way to navigate that. Like, you know, that whatever. Um, so it is like a magical system. Um, yeah. But like, if you, yeah, if you, we don't need, we don't all need to follow the uh, protocols that the clergy follows, you know, and that, that, that's a later invention of, of control, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, and two, like, I think that like the emphasis on afterlife is, is really, I mean, maybe it's not a moot point, but like, it's, 
personally, it's not that important. Like, um, I look to like more like Jewish writing where, um, the importance and the, the weight that Christianity placed on afterlife and heavenly rewards and stuff. Um, I find that to be almost a dogmatic thing. And, and like part of the church, what the church was, it needed a buy-in and, uh, you know, a wonderful afterlife was kind of that. But if you look at something like kind of the Greek, um, afterlife that it's kind of dreary, yeah. um, you know, there, there might be different stations, even, even to look at something like Norse afterlife concepts, um, or, you know, the idea of re- reincarnation, which I think is kind of the backbone of a lot of it is that there, there's something on the other side that you, you, you know, go back into, um, in, in whatever capacity that is. But, you know, the, the weight placed on afterlife is really kind of uh, minuscule for me. It doesn't um, really resonate, but the, the idea of exorcism, um, the idea of, you know, working with those spirits, that's, that's something that, yeah, they reserved for, you know, clergy, like in the, in the, within the church, but Jesus's real message was, you know, y'all can do this. Like you can cast out demons. You should be casting out demons. You should be cleansing and purifying your lives. And, um, I look at that as kind of the main message. And that's what he was training all those disciples to do was to cast out demons. And, you know, when you say perform miracles, that's, you know, magical workings. Um, but yeah, it's kind of interesting. Um, and then when you look at something like Simon Magus, who, um, was willing to pay for, you know, Jesus's instruction and, and wanted to learn that, but um, had his own kind of method of that. You realize that there were a lot of people um, practicing this kind of art of um, what we could argue is Goetia. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, definitely. And then there's, I mean, someone's, I understand what you're saying about the afterlife as like, you know, the, um, the church really kind of just, at, you know, as it got convoluted, you know, in a society kind of sense, it, it kind of like blew out of proportion its its best features, like that it could cast out demons and that it dealt with with uh, with death and with with the after with the post mortem state, you know, because like any community has to have someone who's who's doing that, but it doesn't have to be like a carrot a carrot on the stick and kind of a bribe, you know, like, uh, but you know, it's like. But that these these people, who, like doing Goisha, kind of were able to kind of navigate that space between life and death, and kind of make uh, spirits either kind of behave or fuck off, you know. <laughs> and like uh, that, yeah. Like a lot of the technology of it just got turned into a kind of um, a mechanism of control. And even like the like that they were wandering the roads doing this stuff and and developing ritual. Uh, like technology is you can kind of see in um, certain uh, what's the book is called like uh, I think it's called Through the Eye of the Needle um, and it, it like focuses a lot on um, the pagan world becoming the Christian world and and uh, how it was largely like an economic transition and so you're like yeah. well, why were these itinerant magicians just kind of wandering around and starting these cults. And, and it makes sense that, you know, in a, a big economic shift that there'd be people kind of like, uh, 
put into like a state of transit, like transience, you know, yeah. that used to be rooted in, in communities, but now they're kind of having to like take flight because the economic structure has been disturbed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could even see that today um, as people um, are kind of, are, are considering the spirituality as less of a, like a token component of their lives and more integral that um, a lot of times there's kind of this push pull feeling of um, the, you know, the modern kind of consumer based um, culture versus the spiritual culture that, that, that you know, is, is growing um, that oftentimes feels in conflict with it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, for sure. And that's, and seeing like how much materialism like uh, belongs in in spirituality, like as people are like you know like the difference between spirituality and religion and magic and mysticism, you know people are starting to, without even maybe necessarily like intellectually grappling with that, I can see just what in people's behavior that they're starting to figure out how much stuff, uh, like belongs in, in their spirituality, you know, like, uh, and that because it is becoming more physically grounded and about like the world you live, you live in, it's essentially becoming more animist naturally, you know, yeah. that, uh, it's like, Oh no, there's some things in there, but it doesn't mean that they're all for sale, <laughs> you know, like, uh, yeah. but some of them can be, you know, like, uh, and just it kind of normalizing, uh, but, but also, um, yeah, and it, it kind of almost kind of diffusing into people, into the communities and into the way people live their lives. But but like you said, not being like a token, uh, I feel like spirituality was kind of caught for a long time in a in a thing that was almost like paper thin. Like people were like, oh, well, I'm not religious, but I am spiritual. And you're like, well, like, I mean, it's like, I'm not going to give it my soul. I'm just going to give it kind of like my whimsy or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, it's like, it's like kind of saying like, yeah, like we can have sex, but I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to say I love you, you know, like, (laughs) yeah. I, I, and I think it's, it's been wording that like, you know, in order to be religious, you have to be a part of the big three or you have to, um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, commitment is really difficult. Um, I think that that's kind of, you know, to even go back into Goetia, that commitment to um, forming relationships versus just like a a cold call in the night, um, you know, you know, with no, you know, build up to it. Um, I think that, you know, you kind of form your own religion uh, in a way. And it's it's not the kind of thing that you that we think about when we think about Christianity is, is like a, an organization. Um, you can see it as a microcosm of organization within your own life that ne- doesn't necessarily have to have any other adherence um, to your religion. Um, but I think that being religious is, is really adopting a practice that's more than just um, lighting some candles, um, you know, every now and then and taking a, a bath, you know, with some candles or, a bath bomb. I don't know. Yeah. 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 I see. Yeah. I gotcha. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting with, uh, 
maybe that's kind of a good place to leave it. That was, <laughs> I think we kind of covered a lot of bases and it was interesting that talking about Guisha brought us all the way here, you know, Back to religion. yeah, because <laughs> it makes total sense, you know, and it, and it could go on forever. I'm like, yeah. lots of things are popping into my head to, to continue with, but I think this is kind of a good point to let people digest, but maybe like one last thing, like what about bed knobs and broomsticks? <laughs> um, I, I, I think it's very interesting that the, I mean, for me looking at it, you know, with, it has um, a seal of Astaroth, which still has that component of the star. And um, you have um, in the opening credits, there's a lot of really rich, um, imagery, you know, even like Lucifuge, Rofocal is in there. Um, I think there were some, you know, people that were at least familiarizing themselves with um, the occult when they made the film and realizing that there's kind of a tradition to English magic um, because that's definitely what's being highlighted there. Um, you know, it's, it's, it was a very interesting, um, to watch as an adult, because I remember watching it as a child and having no clue what I was, you know, really getting into. Um, yeah. What yeah. are your thoughts on it? Uh, I was just like, thought it was really funny that you brought it up. Cause like I was telling you in message that we went to the Glastonbury occult conference and, uh, Paul Weston was, was uh, giving a presentation and talking about Dion fortune and, he was kind of like, I challenge anyone in this room to watch this movie and not see Angela Lansbury as Dion Fortune. <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's it just will reveal itself to be the case, you know. But <laughs> uh, but yeah, like totally like what you're saying. There's just there's some sort of recognition that there is a longstanding tradition of English magic, you know, that's uh, but yeah, with that and Goisha and the church in general, I think one of the main things that we were talking about, about that we kept kind of pushing at is that like Goisha can take you out into the experience of, of your own landscape and the experience of your own life and, and interact with it and kind of have a feedback back and forth and that movies like bed knobs and broomstick are, are in life and that, uh, and that like churches are in your neighborhood and they're, they're also in life. They're in reality. And that like all of the, all of those things through, uh, a regular practice will start to uh, take on a kind of like goetic glimmer. <laughs> yeah, totally. Cool. Well, um, where can people find you or uh, what are you up to next or et cetera? Um, so currently um, you can find me at on my Instagram account, which is uh, the Peacock Grimoire. And, um, you can also, if, if you're in the Denver area, um, I work at ritual craft and that's ritualcraft.com and the craft has a B. Um, and I teach classes through that. Um, I also have a Patreon account, um, which is where a lot of my current work is being funneled into, um, as a way for people to kind of engage with that, um, in a little bit more of a personal setting than say Instagram, um, but yeah, right now I'm working on some stuff with, um, the long lost friend and six and seventh books of Moses. Oh, cool. Dealing with, um, I recently did some work around my ancestry and I'm starting to look at, uh, Pennsylvania Dutch folk practices, um, and how that kind of, 
um, has a grimoire tradition to it and has um, Cyprian work with it um, and even has some conjure in there too. So, yeah, yeah. I, I would love to um, have you back on and talk about that at some point. And oh, sure. Yeah. I, there's like a couple other people in my circle that interface with that. It might be fun to have a kind of like panel discussion at some point about that stuff. Oh yeah. That would be cool. And also you're, you've been working on a text about the watchers. Yeah. Um, that has been a long, uh, process, um, that it, it started out as, is, you know, kind of, a um, a system, I guess is, is like the initial kind of idea behind it. Um, but in working with it and through my own, um, just development, realizing that the world doesn't need another system of magic for dealing with spirits, but, um, that personal experiences and sharing those are a little bit more important. So the book is being, or the text is being, um, edited in a way where it's going to highlight more of the poetry that's gone into my ritual work um, oh, cool. the and stuff like that. So it's a little bit more authentic to me and, and less about the ego of creating a new system. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's been a process. I'm not really forcing it. I, you know, it, it could be released, you know, it could be finished in a year or so. It could be finished when I'm 40. Um, which actually isn't that far away, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of where that is. Um, and I'm just happy as it is right now, um, with where it is. Um, I'm, I'm finding a lot of really interesting, uh, work out of the Ides Moon rituals I'm doing at Ritual Craft. Um, I was invited to present at the, um, International Necromancy Consortium oh, awesome. next year in New Orleans. Um, and so I'm going to do a presentation on uh, community ritual with grimoires and necromancy, um, you know, and yeah, so. Fantastic. Um, cool. Well, yeah, I'd love to talk to you again about a bunch of those different points. So let's just stay in touch. Sure. All right. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris.